Hi, I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we're two teachers talking. And as most of you know, Tony and I get together, uh, I think it's once a month or so, and we <laughs> talk about teaching and teaching in Japan and teaching English and the ins and outs and the backwards and forwards and things that go on as being a classroom practitioner. And today, I don't know how to exactly describe this one, Tony, but I guess we're talking about、um, classes from hell. Classes from hell. You know, those.、Um, perfect storm. Yeah. Worst case scenarios. Scenario. Just when it all seems to be going bad. And coming together in one room at one period in one day. And this is a. It's an interesting topic, and I think it's a touchy topic because people tend to be. Polarized about this in the sense that I always find that there's kind of just like a basic division, in that there's always people who say, There's always something more you can do. You've got to, you know, look deep at yourself and find out what's going on and change what's going on about you. And there's the other group that says, You know, there's just nothing you can do. You know, sometimes you get a bad class and, you know, you just have to accept that and figure out what are the minimal things you can accomplish. So, our goal today, I'm guessing, Tony, is really to explore those kind of two binary oppositions and find out, you know, what's going on a little bit better and how we react and respond or how you reacted and responded to those kinds of classes. And, How I react and respond. I mean, I have a couple of those classes this semester. And,、hmm. you know, the goal again here is not to justify anything ex- more than just, I think, really explore, because I think there's a lot of emotional things that go on. And I want to tie it into, you know, the two previous podcasts where we've looked at these movies and how I think that kind of can have an effect on people. So, do you think that is a good way to start off? I think, I think that's a good, really good way to start off. And I'd say, even before we get into to that,、um, overall, in terms of like a goal and things, is to first、uh, just acknowledge that there are situations that you're just not going to make work. I was and, hoping to in, save that. In, 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 di- <laughs> in direct contrast to the, like, you know, the last two months, we've been talking about like, these miracle teachers, right? These Hollywood versions of the teachers where they, they walk in and they transform a class and、um, change every, everybody in their class, their life changes for the better, and they teach, you know, bring them into the light.、Um, and not to say that it doesn't happen, because it does, but we also have to acknowledge that there's a lot of times where Not only doesn't it happen, but there's very little that you can do to bring that about sometimes. And, it's, and I think that's the part you were talking about. It's like, well, people need to understand that, that you're not going to be able to pull it off all the time. You're not going to be able to walk on water. You're not going to pull this one out. There's just some classes that are going to be those classes. Yeah. And. One of the things that I've been thinking about while preparing for you know, this podcast and this talk is number one is how I think those Hollywood movies are poisonous. And they're poisonous in terms of how teachers, if teachers watch those movies and the public watches those movies and how people think about teachers. And one is that 
this miraculous, incredibly talented, gifted, committed person can overcome anything, any classroom situation, and that we end up comparing ourselves like to that. But the other thing that I was thinking about when going through those movies is that most of the people who are the normal teachers, the average teachers, the ones who, let's say, can't create these miraculous effects, kind of get portrayed as being incompetent or negative or not believing in the students. And that's not my experience. My experience is that I know a lot of good classroom practitioners, people who are really good in the classroom, have definitely good classroom management skills and really care about the students who you know, have come in and just said, this is an impossible class. And that, again, binary kind of opposition that gets created in p the public image, I think, but also maybe in, I know I have that sometimes. It's like, oh, I'm just not good enough. I'm not doing well. And, or I'm really great. And instead of it just being that, you know, it's a combination of factors. And, you know, I've used this um, when people have talked about my wife and I and raising our daughter and they'll compliment us uh, by saying something to the effect of it's really good parenting. You guys have been really good parents. And I'm like, no, actually we're just really lucky that our parenting style matches up with our daughter's personality. Right. We got lucky that way that that's a really good match. And I think that's a good way to describe the classroom dynamic is, you know, does your teaching style, who you are as an individual and a teacher match up with the classroom? And does their behavior and their personalities, their dynamic match up with your teaching style? And I, that's, I think, where we want to go with this, which is explore how that happens, what happens, and then maybe at the end make some suggestions about what can be done when it seems like it's impossible. Yeah, I think you're 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 very right in talking about that matching of the the teacher style and the and the specific class in question um, is a huge factor, and it's probably probably worth a podcast or two all of its own. But um, this this particular this this topic uh, comes about it's inspired by a um, situation of, of a of friend, friend colleague. Um. And finding himself, herself, in this um, perfect themselves. storm. Themselves. <laughs> themselves, whatever, you know, choose a pronoun. Um, and it was just, it just I, went, I went through it, you know, it, was a, it was a long account and it was very painful to read. Um, but I uh, went through it and tried to pull out all the elements, the, the, the obvious elements. There's, there's others that are not, not going to be stated here because there's a lot going on. But just a, just from what was expressed, and just like this from the story, uh, so like first, so this class was online. You know, this is an online class, but there was a huge communication drop, so the information didn't get to the students, or the students didn't look for the information, or 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 who knows. But anyway, the, so the first class. And um, the teacher in, in the Zoom session is looking at eight of 21 registered students. Eventually, about 15 figured it out and showed up. Okay, when you say there's a communication problem, you mean that there was a problem with getting the Zoom information to the students, or did they think it was face-to-face? -face or Yes, all of that. 
It wasn't okay. clear. The student. It wasn't clear to the, to the students for whatever reason. I don't know if it was the school's problem with getting the information to students, or it was the students' problem not looking for the information. But somehow there was a more than half of the class did not realize that they were meeting online. So that's a communication drop. Nice move. Uh, it's a nice way to start the year, right? That's Especially a terrible if just, way to start the year. Yeah, exactly. Well, it gets better. It gets better. And then so as as the students are showing up, so a lot of them are like signing in from the classroom. And uh, I don't I – th- I think they were freshmen. I'm not sure, but it's not, they don't sound like freshmen. It's not that they – a little bit too streetwise. Um, and so something that I never experienced. So the students – whether they were in class or whether they were somewhere else and discovered that that the class was online, they started signing in with fake names or names of their classmates. Um, started in during the class, like sending the teacher inappropriate submissions, like photos, news items. I think it was at the time it was something about. Uh, Maybe the, some kind of North Korean bombs or something. I mean, missiles. Um, and you know, here it's like, well, maybe uh, it was part of the teacher's ability to finesse the controls and things. Like, way to stop doing that. But so you know, using so the teacher using the um, uh, waiting room to like take people out of the class. Um, in the classroom itself, like like inattentive, unengaged students, duh. <laughs> I've never seen that in a Zoom class before. And students refusing to turn their cameras on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just, it, you know, we talk about like, it's like a perfect storm. It's like starting with that initial miscommunication with the wrong group of students and very likely a, a mismatch of the teaching style with the types of students that were in the classroom, you know, what their majors were, their first-year students, second-year students, all kinds of things. And I just was reading the accounts of, of this beginning of the semester, and it's like, oh, man. And I don't know that I've had anything myself that bad, but I have had classes where yeah you're this is going to be a long year so um i'm sure that's never happened to you charles you, you got any stories oh no no i'm always <laughs> i'm always able to deal with those problems completely perfectly yeah this um, was so what, totally, totally foreign to me i, I just yeah, really couldn't relate yeah, yeah i don't you know no i don't have anything like that to a this degree. Was, I mean, I've seen extreme. some I've seen right, it's extreme. I've seen inappropriate behavior. I've and because I you know did I spent 3 years like working in a in a San Francisco high school in a peer counseling program uh, and that was before, you know, I got to my degree. But you know, some students who were really challenged coming from really really difficult backgrounds and you know, what strikes me about the story you just told, Tony, is, you know, I could see that at like the high school I was working at. 
I mean, <laughs> I remember, I think I, I started a class or something. There were like teachers of record and, you know, they would be there. But, you know, we would be like doing these, these things in a class and like somebody threw a book at my head. On the first day. First day, and, nice. Yeah, and challenged, you know, or challenged me by sure. speaking out. And, and you know, that's those are troubled youth. Those are at-risk students, all right? What you just described has no place in a college setting. How about I don't it? think, right? Yep. There is no, that is just totally unacceptable behavior. But we've and, all we've all had that. Right, I mean, I've had that. I, well, this is extreme, but I've been in a classroom with totally unsocialized students who had no idea what it meant to be in school or to be in a classroom because their high school, their experience in high school. I don't know what it was. I mean, I've heard stories from kids because you know we, we 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 talk and things. You know, guys riding their scooters up and down the halls of the high school and stuff. Um, and these guys just sitting on the floor having their conversation after the class begins. Um, so it had all that, but this perfect story, this combination of things is just really okay. Like, but, but as you said, it's like, why the hell are you seeing this kind of behavior in a college university? This it just doesn't doesn't register. Doesn't it doesn't make sense. Right, and that's where my take on this is. Excuse me, sorry. Is that I don't find that behavior acceptable. And I have, you know, as soon as it has come up in a classroom, I have tended to shut it down by just saying, leave now and come back next week when you're ready. And of course, you know, the students don't leave, right? And I've turn to the class and I say, this student needs to leave. They've acted inappropriately. I will come back in five minutes. And if that student is still here and you have not been able to convince that student to leave, then um, everyone will, you know, will have to deal with this. And I have always found that you have to, you know, stop that behavior right away. I'm not interested in What's the cause of the behavior? What's the reason for that student acting out on that? And this is first day. There's a real difference when it's in behavior that has been, let's say, like a low-grade fever and then explodes one day. And yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's college. It's, you know, we've talked about this before. If you're an elementary school teacher or a junior high school teacher or a high school teacher, you cannot give up on that student because those are kids they're young adults or not even young adults they're kids and my attitude is i'm sorry you're in college you're 18 years old there are consequences to your action actions and that is the biggest problem i found is that the students really believe that there are no consequences to their actions and we have to, you know, you have to, you know, <laughs> bolt down that leak really quickly. But what you're talking about, again, is totally unacceptable behavior. But the problem is that, that there are universities in Japan who are exist because those students are available to go to college. And it sounds to me like... More and more so now, right? Yeah, well, there was a. It's there's some interesting things going on because um, 
A friend of mine mentioned that he thinks students are more are better behaved now than they were for a few years because they were online and they didn't have contact with their senpais, so they didn't learn how to misbehave. Well, I noticed that the first year, and I know that very strongly. Um, and it was the the school. I won't. You know, obviously, I'm not going to mention it, but it was the one that I, would, I was having the hardest time with um, because we talked about school culture, and yes, uh, at that particular school. The senpai were poison, um, and absent that contact with the senpai, the the classes, the last class, the last class cohort that I taught from that university was the best ever because it was all online, and they didn't they weren't poisoned that way by by their senpai. Okay, uh, school culture again. Yes. Yeah, there's just some schools that are notoriously famous for this kind of behavior. Yep. And interestingly enough, the teachers I know who tend to be most successful at those kinds of schools tend to be the strictest ones who have clear rules and grading. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we can get into that a little bit later. But you have more things that were happening, right? This is just like some initial Zoom kind of what, for lack of a better term, is just childish behavior. Well, that's a southern Prank teacher. behavior, yeah, right? Yeah. What else um, did the person talk about? Oh, that's, that's basically it, I think. Um, I mean, we can conjecture about, um, again, you know, we talked about, you mentioned school culture, but in terms of administrative support, uh, how they reacted, you know, you know, teachers like, well, you know, you always like, well, this, you know, this class is untenable, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, Try to make you know, like as you said, try to make it more fun. It's like, yeah, well, <laughs> or or you're gonna. So there's some schools where you'll actually get support, and they will say, okay, we'll we'll do something, you know, whatever it is. So you talk to their homeroom teacher or their counselor or whatever, whatever it might be. Uh, but um, who who knows? But that that's basically all I know. Yeah, it's. I've seen that situation before. I mean, I'm fortunate that you know, I, I, I have I've taught at pretty good schools and the students not coming to class or submitting like, you know, 10 pieces, you know, 10, 10 assignments all at once tends to be kind of like the worst behavior. Um, and, you know, I can even, I'm, I'm, I'm again, I, you know, I, I have taught at some of these schools and, you remember there was a period of time, I'm going to go back, way back, into about 1993 or 94 in Japan, post-bubble um, period, when we got the bubble kids. Oh, yeah, the, 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 the ultra-privileged. The um, Okay. So for those people who don't know, um, Japan's up until about 1988, Japan was just exploding economically. And people were flush with cash. And there was a generation of kids who, what did you just call them? Uh, the privileged. ultra privileged, the ultra privileged, and and they just you know, they just felt so privileged, and of course you know twenty first century was going to be Japan century, and uh, you know, the rest of the world was you know, America's over, Europe is over, it's all going to be Japan, 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 right? And this coincided with the beginning of the student population drop, correct? And schools panicking about being able to survive because the lower level schools would lose students because higher level schools would be able to admit them because of the smaller 
population. And it coincided with like, this insane buildup of like new universities and colleges in the 80s because they had so much money they didn't know what to do with it. So let's, let's build a university and they'll come. It's like, well, wait a minute. Maybe we should look at the demographics. Right. Yeah. Maybe? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You guys should have like, <laughs> did you guys like look at like, you know, birth rates? But the other really, uh, um, what chemical or uh, ingredient that turned this into the an incredibly poisonous cocktail was this also coincided with the belief that students were customers. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so what happened is that you got ultra privileged um, what I would call spoiled or coddled kids who knew that the school was so desperate, so school was so desperate for their attendance that if they didn't like something a teacher did, they could make a complaint, and the teacher would be in trouble. And uh, it, it, it and it's built on like a, a deeper cultural idea the whole definition of like roles of the student and the teacher where in Japan if a student is learning it's the teacher's fault the, responsi- <clears throat> the responsibility for learning falls on the teachers whereas in our culture it's like if the student is learning it's like that's his or her problem because you that individual responsibility is the thing it's just like well you know well why 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 aren't you learning it's like well why do you need the teacher why don't you learn on your own but but anyway, so that's a basic thing, and then it got worse with those with those conditions that we're talking about the the, po- right. the post boom the eighties and early nineties. And I just remember because when I first came to started teaching in eighty nine, so eighty nine to ninety two, ninety three was just you know, for lack of a better term, was a glorious period. <clears throat> Um, and the students were incredible, and it was so different from what I'd experienced in the U.S. And then we had this turn. And there was some real, there was nothing, nothing close to what you're describing now at the classes I was teaching at that period of time. But there was an attitude that was present. And it was hard to deal with. And I don't, it's such a long time ago. I mean, this is really like 30 years ago, so it's hard to remember what happened. But I, do know that when the occasional kind of unacceptable behavior occurred that I would, you know, I would mark the behavior as being unacceptable and that there would be some penalty for that. And usually that brought, you know, the class back in line, but that would be like one person, not like, what were you talking about? I think, you're saying like there were like five, six, seven, or eight students sending inappropriate messages to the teacher? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is different. This is not one student causing trouble. This is a group of students. Which or, made me think that they're not freshmen. These are probably last year's oh, there's no way. disasters. Yeah. There's no way a freshman would. Well, I could be wrong. But. Yeah, you, because, <laughs> because they're used to having classes online in high school, and that's maybe what they did. And or, or maybe it was just like, you know, on-demand type things. Or you could just, you know, project. Just imagine like in a high school online class, the teacher just prattles on and the class is free range. They're just doing what they do. And the teacher logs the time and talks into the microphone. And then the class is over. And that's it. 
And then right. there's a test, I guess. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, I'm sure there are classes like that. I don't know if that's the case here or not, but conjecture. Yeah, and there's also another thing I've noticed about Japan. And I don't know if I really agree with you about what you said in, in our culture, that it's the student's responsibility if they're not learning. I think it's more looked at as a combination. You know, what can the teacher do? What can the student do? But in Japan, I've noticed that there's a lot of coddling of university students that, you know, you're ex like, you know, so I, I, there's an issue at, at a school and uh, I failed a student and the student said, well, you didn't tell me that I didn't turn in the assignments. And I was like, it's not my responsibility to tell you that you don't turn in the assignments. I said, that's that's elementary school, junior high school. I said, this is college. You can easily keep track of whether you've you know turned in the assignments. Not only can, but that's your job. Right. but you, you keep track of what you turn in, don't turn in. You remember if you did the work or you didn't the work. That's not my job. But. <laughs> yeah. Guess what I was told. I bet. You know where this one's going. They were yeah. like, well, you really should have told the student and informed them that they hadn't done the work so they would have had a chance to turn in the work. And I I, I, I looked at people and I said, really? <laughs> I said, I, I don't think that that's my responsibility as a as a university teacher that the students have you know we talk about independent learning and student autonomy and i said you're you're arguing against student autonomy here you're arguing against independent learning and it's kind of going back and forth and it's kind of funny but again the first thing i start with is no i'm sorry there are what rules of conduct, rules of engagement in a classroom at a university level that you cannot go below. There are minimal requirements. And, for example, sending inappropriate messages, you know, you just – you fail the student right away. You tell the student, I think that they're failing is my immediate reaction, right? And you say, go ahead. Go to the administration, Right. And see what they say. And of course, then to get into that whole thing again, what we're talking about is how much support there is, the culture of the school, which is, well, you know, these are the kinds of students we have. Please be more under. I like this one. Please yeah. be more understanding. Right. And I'd love to quote that back to the <laughs> office people when they're not understanding towards when me. It's for you. Yeah. Please be more understanding. No, you didn't fill out this paperwork properly. There's one mistake. We want you to resubmit it. Oh, please be more understanding. Try it. Uh, right. So I really we're feel nervous. for this this teacher you're talking about. Yeah. Well, no, feel for us all because we've all been there. Right. But again, what happens, I think, is you, that's kind of what, the Jaime Escalante guy did, right? He walked into one of these classes and turns it around magically, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, he puts on his little hamburger hat and flips burgers. And, and suddenly all these students, right? And there's only one student who reacts negatively to him, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just, that's just not the way the world works. And I just want to say that I understand that we can always do better, that it requires introspection, so, you know, reflecting on what we can do. And I'm guilty of the, you know, making the wrong moves, saying the wrong things. But there's also a point where you just say, this is not me. This is not about me. I'm a professional 
and this conduct is unacceptable in a classroom at a college level. And not for people to start blaming themselves or, you know, getting again, comparing themselves to these ideal teachers. Yeah. Because the problem with this, especially at the college level, is to say that we expect you to be an ideal teacher and be able to have these magical classroom management skills. And the, I think most people would say that when you're a university teacher, that, you know, classroom management really, really becomes less important as part of your portfolio or your toolbox of but it skills, should be. right? It should be. Yeah. Whereas you shouldn't when you're, be expected uh, to have to do all those things because that's not appropriate for a university class. That, that shouldn't exactly. Be, you shouldn't be needing those skills. The, the students shouldn't be exhibiting behavior that requires that kind of management. Right. And so... I think that it's wrong. And, you know, this whole idea that we as teachers have to deal with this and that if you can't cope with it, you're not doing your job. And I just want to say to whoever is in this situation, no, no, you're in a situation that is beyond your control in terms of who you got and what these students previously have experienced in the classroom. They're not socialized to be in a classroom. And if you can't manage that after making a sincere or sincere attempts at trying to manage it, I don't think you need to get down on yourself. I don't need you think people need to feel bad, but that's what most of the teachers I know do. You know, when we have those conversations in the in the teacher's room, people are saying, I don't know what to do. I feel really terrible. I can't get this class together. And I'm sure that the person who emailed you was not just complaining, but that they were, that was like, you know, asking for help in a way, trying to say, you know, they were feeling bad that they were not able to cope with the situation. Am I right about that? Um, absolutely. And um, I also have to say that um, this is one of the really – Great, te- great teachers that I know in Japan. This is not a schlub. This is this is this is not someone who doesn't know how to handle a class. This is a really, really good teacher. Mm. Yeah. Well, I helped. I was hired this teacher back in the nineties. So I'll I'll stand behind this teacher. This is a really, really, really good teacher. Um, maybe, yeah, not, not just in teaching, but, you know, a little bit maybe sensitive, but yes. Um, so I have no qualms about, you know, no question about, no uncertainty about this teacher's ability. This is a great teacher. Uh, just like, you know, caught in a perfect storm. <laughs> and it's just awful. And, and yeah, you've got stories and I've got stories. Um, and then, and I don't know if we want to spend time talking about you know in individual experiences and what we did, but um, also is it's like yeah, it, it's like, as you said, there's no no university teacher should be asked to put up with this. But you, I'm sorry, but the reality is we are all going to be in this situation at one point or another, and so what do we do about it? But anyway, go ahead. 
I uh, basically forgot what I was going to say. The situation, as you said, right? Nobody should be put into it. But I don't think everybody does get put into it. But I want to go back to the person who who emailed you. Now, you know them. They're competent. And what did they say in terms of like what they tried? Did they try anything? Did they say what they tried or how they tried to cope with it? And did they talk about how they were dealing with how their feelings about the whole situation? Well, the, the feelings were like, you know, expletive, expletive, expletive. It was at the beginning of this school year at this expletive school with these expletive students. And there's a, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of frustration, obviously. Um, no, uh, basically the... Again, it was emergency, you know, red lights flashing, ship going down. Um, there wasn't any like discourse about, you know, how I need to revise my teething methodology. No, 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 no. Uh, it was just frustration, venting, and just having a really hard time. <laughs> so it just it was it was basically venting. So there wasn't a lot of extra information there. I mean, we can extrapolate. We can guess what kind of school this is. Uh, we can guess what kind of students come to the school. We can uh, guess what lack of support there might be for the teachers at such a school. Uh, again, conjecture. No names, <laughs> but you know whatever whatever schools they were. I mean, we can we can guess at those or uh, more factors that in play. Because um, I, I was, um, what? Well, actually, this is not one of my stories, but yeah, I was. Uh, there was a, a school that I worked at for a while, and um, was teaching some of the. Again, all of this is dependent school. It's also the major. It's also the levels within the major. So you get like a big university. Um, you get, you know, for example, the kids who choose law or economics because they don't know what that means or what they might be doing. They're just going to be, you know, salarymen or, uh, of some kind. Um, but, yeah, they come to classroom, complete, whatever high school they came from, completely unsocialized, sitting on the floor. You know, class begins, they continue their conversation, and, you know, I call them out on it, obviously. And bewilderment. They don't understand why I'm calling them out. It's like, well, we're here. We're in the classroom. Go ahead. Go ahead with your lecture, teacher. We <laughs> go ahead. We're, we're just not ignore us. We just ignore us. Yeah, just <laughs> we're fine here. It's like <laughs> really com completely, you know. And it's like that. And like there, it's like okay. It's like I'm looking at them, and it's like, yeah, you really, you really don't understand why I'm angry. They really, they really don't. They don't have the, any experience of what appropriate a classroom behavior is, and of course, the rest of the class is like, "The hell's wrong with these guys?" Um, but it's, and again, this was just a few guys out of. It wasn't the whole class that was like you know off the rails and so forth and so on, um, but it because it was just like a, a couple of the students, it it allowed me to observe them in contrast to the rest of the class 
I didn't have to deal with the whole scenario of chaos. And it was like easier to kind of maintain self-control because it's really easy to get angry and fly off the handle. Um, and also control of the class and using the normalcy of the rest of the class to pull these guys in with, with peer pressure. But um, you don't always have that luxury. So that's not one of my nightmare stories. It's just like an interesting antidote. Right. And that's always been the question. It's it's a flip side of a question that I think we've talked about before. How many motivated extroverted students do you need to flip the dynamic of a classroom in a positive yeah, way. Yeah, we did that exactly. How many bad apples? And this is exactly the same thing. Yeah. How many of that those kinds of students will flip the classroom into negative dynamic territory and that it becomes almost impossible to overcome. But, you know, what you just said ties in a lot to Japanese university culture. Now, and I'm going to see if I can connect this. I'm fortunate I teach at pretty good schools. And now, now, but <laughs> for the for the last 20 yeah, years. Yeah, me, me too. Fortunate. Me too. I cl- I, cl- I clawed my we, way I up climbed the, the I, I, cl- yeah. I I climbed the ladder, so to speak. Yeah. And even at these good schools, students don't understand the difference between high school and college. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I gave quizzes after the first week of class. We had a, and I told the students there'd be a quiz. And I then, uh, when I do quizzes, I always, you know, give the students paper, you know, usually, and then I have them grade their own paper, you know, do the, you know, pick up your red pen and we go question by question. Then I have them score themselves. And then I, I write the score on the board. And as usual, I turn to the students, I go, well, you're all failing my class after the first quiz. Because they didn't think they were responsible for the material that was in the class because I hadn't specified it was going to be on a quiz, even though I said there will be a quiz on what we did this week. And what I mean by this is that they don't think they need to take notes. They don't think that they have to be responsible for their learning because they're still expecting the high school treatment. And no one's explained this to them in the orientation. Bingo. Right? They don't – I um, or if they did get it explained, they obviously didn't pay attention because – I think it's not as prevalent as it used to be that, you know, college is four years of Club Med for Japanese students. I think schools have become more you think serious. It's, you think it's changed significantly? Well, there's a couple of schools I've taught at where it was definitely not Club Med for them. Right? Well, the school uh, yes, culture. I know that. But, and I think there always has been. Though, those schools. Though there, but, there have been those schools, yes. Uh, but um, I think for a lot of them, maybe I would think that even more now. Because the universities are needing to cater to the students so much more because of the enrollment problems. Right. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm out mm-hmm. of it, so I can't right. really speak to that. But I think that some of this, and again, this is being fortunate to teach at schools where this behavior, I would right. report it right away. And it would be so egregious that yes, <laughs> the yes. administration. The schools people, that I taught to, too, this would be unheard of. And it's right. just, I'm just but, luck, blessed, lucky. Yeah, let's go back to the school where we both work together. Okay. There is a situation where I was teaching a class and a student just 
walked out of the classroom, right? They weren't sick. They didn't look sick. And I said to the class, excuse me for a second. And I went out and asked the person why they had left the class. And they just said, your class is boring in Japanese. And they were really rude with their Japanese. I mean, really insulting behavior. And I turned to the student and said, okay, well, you failed the class. You walk out of my class. You can't pass my class. You'll have to take it again next year. I get called in. Okay. And I think you know who I'm talking about. Yep, yep, yep. And the first question is, what did you do to offend this student? (laughs) Perfectly in character, right? Yep. And... I I mean, I was just, what did you just say? And they actually repeated it again. What did you do to offend the student? You don't have the right to talk to a student that way. And I was like, and I just said, okay, I'm not going to defend myself. I'm not going to argue with you. You are so wrong and off, you know, <laughs> off, you know, in left field that you need to really think about what you just said, and if this is how you're running a school, then you guys really need to refigure some things. But I don't think I'm alone in that, or I was alone in that when you're at those schools, because as you say, those schools are desperate for the students, and they want to hold on to any student. Because you said, is the student's a customer. Exactly. And that's the little secret that nobody wants to talk about, is that these schools, a lot of these schools are kind of like the American for-profit colleges. You see a lot of similar problems there, but this is these are businesses at the bottom line. And wow, it's just so hard for teachers and you know, you you know, what do you do in that situation? There's nothing you could do. I mean, I was in a position where I could tell that person what I thought because <laughs> I I had a position at the school. But if I were a part-timer, right? You know, it's well, you're, I can I can tell you this. Is, I have like like a story, and um, I'm not trying to. And again, this kind of like goes counter to the idea about these disaster classes, and there's nothing you can do. We're not um, saying there's nothing you can do, but but, but yeah. So, there but is. I I I did, and I tried, and I I met with some success. But it was that school it was about the same time, so it went from it was a it was a women's college junior college and then it changed they they added a four-year women's university at the worst possible time demographic and that's where we met and that's where we met and we were sort of teaching together and then it after a year or two even though the english program had great success which we've talked about it was after two years yeah and then it's like well we need more money we're going to open up the floodgates and then the following year instead of having you know, the luxury of like small classes, like 15 to 20 students per class, um, and which, which was which, which allowed us to do what we're going to do. I walked in to these classes with 45 students, uh, male and female mixed, and large numbers of, of that uh, of that class had no business in a college or university. I had delinquents i had special needs kids um 
and they're all thrown together regardless and, and 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 actually very good students they were all thrown together regardless of level they had high level students i had people who were like you know couldn't put a sentence together uh, yeah yeah street street kids <laughs> special needs and try to teach it like a normal class week after week after week so and i'm and i'm I'm, my bag is getting empty. My bag of tricks is I, I'm running out of stuff. And um, I don't know if it was like just from observation, watching what they did, what they didn't do. I'm not sure if it was something that I, I, I talked with some of the, the better students about things. And I just, what I felt at the time, it's like, okay, I give up. Um. I know what you guys want Some somehow. Say, so, okay. So I just gave up. I gave in. And I let them show me somehow how they wanted to be taught. And I just, you know, against all <laughs> my experience, all my training, whatever, says, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what, this is what you can do. Uh, I'm going to give you a model dialogue each week. I'm going to use this as a model. I want you to get in pairs groups. I want you to create a dialogue based on this model. I want you to memorize it. Come up in front of the class when you're when you're ready. You can perform it, and then you can go home. This is the last class of the day. They were so transformed. They were so happy. <laughs> they tried so hard, and it's like. They're, they're, they're trying to it's like, I mean, why couldn't you try doing it the right way? <laughs> but they were happy. They did what they could do. It made them comfortable. They didn't hate it. <sighs> I didn't feel great about it, but we got through the semester. I count that as a victory. It's no Jaime Escalante. <laughs> it's no John Keating. <laughs> They're, they're just just like spouting out stuff that they memorize, but it's like it was English. It was a simulacrum of English, and Charles, you remember? Mommy said bread. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, there's a lot about that school. <laughs> there's a lot there, man. There's a lot there's, there. Yeah, that, you, was a, you, that, that perfect storm is like when you're put together with this class that like had no forethought, no really thinking about how the class was put together. You knew you didn't have any administrative support. There was like, you because you were gone. There was nobody to talk to. It was, a, it was like, damn. It's like my, and this was because it was an emergency, right? Da, da, da. It's like my fifth period of the day with 45 of these, you know, unprepared kids for university. It's like, whew, that one was rough. That was a rough year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something you said made got me thinking. And that is the, the fact that you went back to a Japanese style of teaching and language learning. Yep. And suddenly they were well-behaved. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering now, with the way I teach, which is discovery process, problem-based learning, a lot of collaboration, group work, no memorization, 
Or and as I tell my students, I'm not interested in what you know. I'm interested in what you understand. That it's so. They have no conception about what's going on. Yeah, we have to understand that when we ask them, like, so, so for us, it's like this is like the, the the true way, the right way. But for so many of them, even even the very best students who who, who you're teaching, right? Um, it's such a different thing that. I think it, it's very easy for them to become overwhelmed, and that's why you know I used to teach you know that you know at that university. I'd all every year I'd have some kid crying. It usually when we got to the essays, and it's like we were talking about you know just like you know thesis statement outlining and stuff. Like just like some some kid in the class is just breaking down in tears because they're you know they're used to being the geniuses, they're used to being the hotshots, and like suddenly they just don't they don't know. They don't know what to do. They just and and they really and they and they really did. They just really don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's very easy for me to forget that asking questions, asking students to demonstrate the reasons behind their thinking is so foreign to them. It's an alien concept. You really have to work at that and build it right, up to that. Because right, right. it really is. Yeah, it's... Yeah. So I understand that, like in a current class, I have a a class on Tuesday, and these students just absolutely refuse to give me any feedback. (laughs) And I, I, you know, I keep explaining to them, it's like the second time we met, and they were totally quiet again. I know that look. I know the look on their faces. Well, you know, right, I try to explain to them that the look on the face of a Japanese student who doesn't understand is identical to the look on the face of a Japanese student who understands. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you're asking them to eat grass. It's like yeah, and yeah. it's just like no, no reaction. It's a total poker face. It's just like yeah, and I don't. I try to explain to them. I don't know if you've just understood what I've said or you haven't understood what I've said. Uh, and they won't tell you. And then you won't tell me, <laughs> and you refuse to tell me. And you know that you know that's one of those situations. I can be reasonably patient most of the time, but that one really frustrates me. And. You know, I'm fortunate that that's pretty much like the biggest classroom management problem I have. Well, but you poor least, thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, as I said, I'm lucky. Thinking about um, this other teacher, right? It's I'm, like, right, but I right. know. But I, I've been sitting I've in the taught, in the, in the canary seat schools. too. I've, I've been in yeah. that sweet spot too. It's like, it's like, yeah, I don't have those problems. <laughs> I have, I have good classes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. My heart goes out to this teacher because I remember teaching at those schools. I had to teach. Want to talk about trouble? I once had to teach at an art school. And they gave me a class on Saturday morning. It was Conversation English, I think, was the (laughs) title of the class. Guess how many students they gave me in the class? Uh, It didn't matter because they just showed up. No, they all showed up. That was the problem. It was 140 students. (laughs) Conversation. (laughs) So uh, I didn't know what to do. So I just said, okay, I got to do. Uh, and they said, you must take attendance, right? Well, when you're calling 140 it students' takes names, takes half the class. But the students were happy with that because it was a Saturday morning class and they were just taking it for the credits. And that's part of the other thing we haven't addressed yet is that most of the students that this person's teaching, 
And most of the students I teach in English, and you know, most and many of the students you've taught in English, they're not English majors, right? And and that's have, a really big factor, and I, yeah, that's on my. And they have no this. plan to. They have no use interest, English, no purpose, nothing. Right. English is something that's completely outside their need or interest. So. Right. So for me, it's like, okay, granted all of that, you still can't behave in the classroom. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you still got to be a human. Right, and that's that's the social contract that they've broken with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but again, I want to go back to this thing about you know that we're teaching them in a way that is so foreign and alien. I think many of them just check out and then start acting out out of frustration yeah. Yeah. because yeah. they don't know how to approach the teacher. Because remember, in this country, saying you don't understand is a negative. Right, right. And then, and plus, they're still kids. They're 17, 18 years old. Their hormones are going nuts. They've been locked up with COVID. Yeah, they don't, and they, they don't know how to behave anymore with people. They don't have that experience. Yeah. It's but, a, it's a you know, they've also not been socialized in their high schools. Right. right? Because we know that there's a socioeconomic factor here. Yep, absolutely. Right? That kind of behavior of sitting on the floor would not be accepted at the schools that send students to the elite universities. We know that. We see that, right? So you do have that component. But again, what I want to go back is that uh, um, there's um, one of my old students from about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, is um, became a teacher and is now doing their studying for their masters at my school, and this is a ve- a very very bright young man who's a teacher, very and he's a very good teacher, very accomplished. I mean, really an impressive young man. And uh, I was talking with him, and he said that something he was saying, yeah, you you know you're you're. You know, my English was pretty good, but I'd go into your class and like you'd you'd start asking questions like, "Please, like, explain your thinking," or "Can you clarify that point?" And he said that it was just so hard and exhausting. Huh. And I'm thinking to myself, "Well, this is a stu- student with reasonably good English. Let me ask him to clarify his thinking." Yeah. So what really makes me laugh is I'm getting the feedback like ten years later. <laughs> Rather, but he's now a teacher, and I ha- and he's been teaching high school. And I asked him. I said, "So, um, <laughs> you know, do you ever get those classes that are just fantastic and perfect, and you feel like you're in heaven?" He goes, "Oh yeah, those are just such incredible experiences." And then I said something. Do you also get the kind of classes? And he interrupts <laughs> me and goes, "Yeah, I know those. Those te- those those are very long years." Yes, that's 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 the key phrase there. It's a long right. be a long year, right? And I think what happens is that. You know, when we're students, we don't understand that those, our teachers are kind of going, oh, not this group again. Yeah. yeah. We, I never I thought of that when I was a student. Track. Yeah, you know, or I... Uh, oh, I, 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 was, <laughs> I figured that we had a rep. <laughs> my, my class in high school, we, I'm sure we had a rep. Yeah, but I never thought about it that way. You know, that, ah, uh, there's a, like, elementary school or junior high school. I mean, I knew that some groups were had reputations, but it never occurred to me that, like, teachers might be going, oh, no, right? So, yeah, let's talk about possible 
ways to deal with these okay, situations. Okay, good. Yeah, let's. So, so you get in. This, we're all going to be what in this do? situation one way or the other, and it's like. And I don't want to. I'm going to go counter to your thing a little bit, but um, in terms of like putting things on the teacher. But what we're talking about is like because there's things we can't control. We can't yeah, control and I the administration. Ex- yeah, right, we right. can't control the class we've been given. We can't do this. But what can what can we do? What can we do as teachers? Yeah, so, exactly. First of all, I think I think the important thing is like to really try to identify the problem. And starting off, just get out of the way. It might be you. It might be the teacher. You don't rule it out. It might be the teacher. And what can you do? Like to say, was like. Know your lesson plan. <laughs> Tony doesn't make lesson plans. Tony's lesson plan is like three points on a piece of paper. But be con- I know it, and I know exactly what I plan to do. And not only the lesson plan, but know the material. Don't have like don't don't try to teach something that you can't explain. Know your tech. You know, if you're using like a, you know, whether if it's online, whether you're using a PowerPoint type thing or whatever you're doing, you're asking them to do something with their phones, make sure you understand it and make sure you can explain it and make sure you can make it simple. So whether it's the, the plan itself, the content of what you're trying to teach or the tech that you're going to use to get it across, make sure you know your stuff because, again, we were talking about like like high school days and student days. You know, the students, they can smell that blood in the water. They can smell the blood in the water. It's like when they see you floundering, they say, you're not sure about, like, literally, the tech is one thing. It's like, okay, you're an old, you don't understand how this stuff works. Okay, fine. But if you start floundering with the, the lesson, the, the organization of the lesson or the, the material stuff, it's like, get ready because they're coming for you. They're coming for you. So, and you also want to know this not only to like to stave off the attacks, but the better are the better prepared you are, the better it'll easier it'll be for you to deviate from that plan effortlessly. Because like you know this, you got all this. It's like okay, this is not going to work. We we just replace B with G. Okay, we just slip this in instead of this. And if you're not familiar with what you're trying to do. Um, that's going to be so much harder. And then that's just going to add gasoline to the flames uh, of, of the disaster in progress. Um, and that, you know, that, uh, inability, that inadequate reparation can like just leads to this inability to deal with the, these class anomalies. Never assume that things are going to go the way that you think they're going to go. <laughs> you always got to have room because it's it's never going to go that way. You always have to have alternate plans. And the the first step in that is like actually having a really good idea what you're going to do. And also, you know, this is another really biggie. Check your attitude. Really try to holster any negative preconceptions. And I'm 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 as guilty of this as anybody else. Because I, you know, I have strong feelings about the places where I worked, and as I walked into a place, and I go, yeah, okay, here we yeah, are. That's a hard is, one and an important and the, one. Yeah, and these are how these kids are going to be. And you know, sometimes, yeah, they confirm my worst preconceptions. Yeah. Um, other times, I've been surprised, and it's like I really, you know, chastise myself and says, "You jerk." You're ready to write these kids off, and actually, they look at them, and they're they're actually not so bad. And I had painted them with the big fat brush 
of that university and that university's culture. And um, had I not caught that really early on, that would have really a big mistake on my part. Um, so anyway, that um, in terms of like identifying the problem, um, the other part is like emotions, right? If you're already angry, there's a, you're already whether it's one person or whether it's something happened on the train, <laughs> whatever it is, you come it's like just dial back that emotions, depersonalize it. If you're already angry, because I, I, I got something to counter all that. Um, one of the things that uh, talked about a long time ago, when I taught like in taught classes that were a lot harder in terms of class management. This is early 90s, but it was not university. It was uh, Simon Gakko, Gakko, junior college, trade school, last chance school, um, bad part of town, bad part of town students. Um, class management was an issue. Not as bad as the as the account that I, I gave you before, but it was... Class management was issue like like Charles well, like, well years back in back in California. Um, the trick that I use is just like you know look at the class, try to identify the one of the or the if you're lucky, the big influencer, which current term I used to call it the alpha. It's like all right, whose jokes are they laughing at? Who's making the comments? It's like okay, single that person out. And you crack down hard on him or her. Um, remove him from the class. Take him out in the hall. Keep him out there for a while. Keep everybody in the class nervous. It's like, and if you can knock that the alpha down, now you're the alpha, and you fine. You you've got the class because, again, society Japanese society it's hierarchical. It's like you take down the alpha, you're the new alpha. Uh, it was. Took me a while to figure that out and to finesse it, but it worked pretty well. Um, and Charles, just is like you were talking about what that one great student who became a teacher, level check. It's so easy for us to overestimate the students and what we're asking them to do, whether it's the actual materials themselves, whether we're talking too quickly, or whether it's the type of question, like you just said, it's like you defend your thinking. It's like, why are you asking me such a hard question? What the hell? I don't, I don't have any tools for this. <laughs> I have what? <laughs> what? I have no idea. How I I just had this idea and I said it. And I'm I'm getting punished for it. Um, just check. It's so easy for us to overestimate student level and their level of understanding. Um, and again, I talked about um, depersonalizing. But on the other hand, it's like, well, okay, if you're not angry personalize it you know talk to them <laughs> it's amazing what they'll tell you um to explore all the motivators talk about their other classes talk about their grades talk about their time talk about their family talk about their activities talk about their time demands all that kind of stuff and then listen to them it's amazing what they'll tell you they will they will tell you all kinds of stuff if you can set up that that report that that kind of dialogue in that environment where it's comfortable them to talk to you. Um, and uh, the last thing I've got is like, I talked a little bit related to that alpha thing, but 
you know, again, Japanese society, they are very tuned into the group thing. And so use that. I talked about those couple of guys sitting on the, on, on the floor, right? And then, yeah, use the class to pull those in. And Charles, you mentioned it too. It is like, yeah, I'm going to leave the classroom, <laughs> leave it to the class. You guys <laughs> get these guys in line or else you're all going to suffer. Um, there's all different kinds of ways to do it, but to realize that that's a tool at your disposal to pull the classroom into it out from an adversarial type of relationship to like a group thing. It's like where you and them are part of the group somehow, not something that was like I'm real comfortable with, but it's something that a lot of classes will respond to. And, I, and I've had some success with that. So there, there's some groups. No, you're not going to be able to do that. They're always going to remain adversarial. But if you can get some of the kids, half the kids, um, that's something that you can do. I don't know. Charles, you got some ideas? No, I just give up. <laughs> I think the first thing that I want to uh, comment on is that you're so right about that there are just schools that as soon as you walk on campus – you can feel your spirit sink. Oh, yeah. And you have to be aware of that. Yeah. So that's one thing. The other thing, and this is more for beginning teachers, and you talked about this, is, you know, most beginning teachers, novice teachers, actually novice teachers is a better term, will plan out their lesson plan, right? And they're trained that way, right? Sure. I see this when I watch my students and they go, 9 o'clock to 9.01, take roll, 9.02 <laughs> to 9.05. I actually worked at a place that gave us lesson plans like that at the actual university. <sighs> and I was just like, mm. uh-oh, this is not good. But Yeah, yeah, I'm in the wrong school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's amazing because they have not changed over 25 years or so. I know. It's just ama- you know, I it's know really the place. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just you know, by the way, it's just so true that, you know, ask about like, if you're doing a job interview and you don't know much about the school, make sure you ask certain questions about what do you expect from your students? What are the behaviors? But let's go through a couple of things. I want to go back to that. Be willing to toss out your lesson plan. And that's why it's always important to know what the goal of the class is, what's the expectation or the outcome in kind of like an exit proficiency or a behavior. By the end of the class, students will be able to do something and it should be a behavior. And that allows you to assess whether you accomplish something, but it also allows you to kind of modify the lesson plan to say, no matter how I get there, at least, okay, I could do it. And then there are times where you just have to toss out that goal and have to right. And, and if you else. can, and if you can walk in there with having like an alternate, like, like an escape route, right? Like you see, like the, the always the, have the, the trucks going route. down the mountain. It's like whoa, there's a breaking area. There we go. Have that breaking area for yourself. So it's like when this all, if this all goes down in flames, twenty minutes in, it's like, all right, Plan B. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. So, so um, I want to go. Let's talk about. You talked about picking on the influencer, alpha male or alpha female, right? Right. Not picking on them, but identifying them. If you have a student who's causing you trouble, this and I've done this before, and it's really, really effective, is stop the class and say to the student, what's your name? And they will really, they'll be like, you can see eyes get white. And then you say to the student, what's your name again? And you, you can do this or you don't have to do it. But what I'll do is I'll take like, open up my computer or my notebook and and I'll write the name, type (laughs) in their name. And then I'll spend, I'll say, excuse me, I need a minute. Please don't talk. And I'll spend a minute writing. 
And I could just be writing blah, 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 blah. But the student and the class thinks that you're taking notes on that student. And so that kind of is one way to – you try that first. That's the first thing to do. Again, when you talk about using um, the group thing, like I've used the classroom where I've said – you know, if this, you know, if you haven't figured out how to deal with the, your your classmate, there are consequences for everybody. What you can do is use a look, group work and make sure that those students are put into groups with students who want to accomplish the task. Yeah, once once you know who the students are, it's like, right. it's hard you at the can, beginning, but yeah, once you know who they are, yeah, you can balance it out and like put right. the pressure on. Yeah, and group work is a good way to do that because once they're in a group then what are they going to do? They're going to say, I don't care about the group, which is going so against yeah, their, they can't get away with their psychology. They can't. So a lot of group work and a lot of group changing, constant changing of the groups. Yep. Don't do like a half-hour group activity. Um, be clear about your expected behaviors and mark negative, positive and negative behavior. So, for example, when a student says, I'm sorry, I don't understand, they raise their hand, Absolutely. I, I laud them. Yes. When a yes, student always. comes to class, like, late, never scold the student for coming to class late. Right. Always say, thank you for coming. Right. So, mark the positive and negative behaviors. Games are great. Um, you should have a toolbox of games just to change the classroom atmosphere. And... You know, so for example, students love to play Buzz, the counting game, number game. Mm. They, you know, you can do, um, you know, so many different kinds of games. Just buy a book or go online and look for classroom games. And these should be like three or four minute things. For example, teacher says always is fun. And you're teaching body parts and verbs, stand, sit, et cetera. That works. It's pedagogically justified. But this is something else. And I, when I am in the moment, dealing in a situation that might have been disruptive but when i once i can remember to do this it's great is do something in the activity that those disruptive students can do well yeah good 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 point so for example what i might do is i might put students into a group and the team has to answer something and then what i'll do is i'll find the trash can and i'll make three paper balls and i'll say and i'll point to the, the, the trouble student, troublemaker, and I'll say, you'll get plus you know, points for each paper ball you throw into the, 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 the garbage, you know, the trash box or whatever you call it, right? The little plastic thing. Um, and they're usually happy to do that because they feel better with physical activities. Sure. So, you know, try to, you know, again... Find something that those students can do easily and that if it's – it's really a hard thing to do. But if you can identify them, as you've said, and kind of figure out what they do, give them an opportunity to lead. Yep. But again, these are, you know, hard things to do. And if you don't do it or you can't find it out, again, whatever you do, don't blame yourself unless – it's as you said, Tony. It's something you're doing. Right. Yeah. You're so you bringing, want to eliminate that chance. As it's like, I mean, check so yourself. Just, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. am I, am I, am I straight here? Am I, I'm in the right things. And then once you are, then don't go back and second guess it. Right. And if you find yourself in a bad mood, right, which I've done, you know, right, and be aware of it. Be aware of it, and I'll say, hey, you guys, I want you to do this activity, 
and I'll give them some kind of like a activity that is low key, low stakes, right? Probably not graded. That allows me to watch them. And usually, what happens in that situation is once they start working together, and it could be simply a simple thing as practice your small talk. What will you do this weekend? And you'll see that most of the students will try, and that calms me down and puts me back into a positive right. yep. area. Yep. But what I'm trying to say again is, it's not always you, right? And, and, and don't uh, get and down I, I, on yeah, yourself. Exactly, and you know, it's not always you. No one wins them all, right? And there's all kinds of things that you have no control over, like the administration and the school culture. You're never going to change that. You've right. got. The, the school, it's like whatever majors that you have in the classroom, whether it's mixed or it's like one or the other, the social structure that exists there with their majors and their their major professors and their advisors and so forth. Um, also, other crazy stuff that you don't have to think about. So, for example, it's like maybe like all these kids, maybe they are all together in the class before yours. That teacher... If it's a great teacher, they're going to come in in a great mood. If it's a if it's a real nightmare, they're always going to come in your class feeling their absolute worst. Um, there's nothing you can do about that. What's the rest of their schedule like? Is like you have like is yours the only class that day? Well, you're probably going to have attendance problems. <laughs> do they have a full class? Especially the last if it's one? third period, and they're they're dead, right? And what and what are the you know what other what other classes like? What are the teachers like? You can't do anything about any of that. You can't. There's there just isn't. Um, you can only do what you can do, and you know sometimes it's insurmountable. And the I'll say that it's insurmountable, but sometimes having that information helps you accept the situation. Yeah, it makes it survivable. So, right. I found out, for example, that right, the class I had a class and they were just, you know, they just were just really difficult. And you can take that any way you want. And it, it, I found out that it was this intense like you know, the teacher was a traditional teacher who just lectured and was very strict about students not falling asleep. <laughs> So the students were just exhausted by the time they got to. You know, no, they my couldn't class. sleep in the previous. They're going to sleep. In so yours. they're going to sleep in my <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think that's a good place to stop. Jimmy. I think so. I so, think we've covered. Yeah, it's, it's a, there's, a, there's things you can do. It's like check yourself, make sure you're square, make sure you, you're, you're doing everything right, and then at a certain point, it's like there's some things that you just there's just things beyond your control. You're not going to be able to con- handle it and. Um, cut yourself some slack. Yeah. We're not all Jaime Escalante. We're not all John Keating. We're just doing our job. And just do your best. Okay. All right. So you guys know who we are and you know what the podcast is and you know where to find us. So Tony, you be well. Charles, you too. Good luck with okay. your classes, man. Yeah, good luck with yours too. <laughs> ah, she's great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. See you. Thanks. Right. Bye. <laughs>